Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast, presented by SeatGeek. You'll hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and writers that cover the NFL on a daily basis. The New Orleans Saints podcast starts right now. Here's your host, Aaron Summers. Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast. I'm Erin Summers. Our guest today is Amazon Prime sideline reporter Kaylee Hartung. Kaylee is from Louisiana, born and raised in Baton Rouge. The Saints are off to Arizona today as they face the Cardinals Thursday on Amazon Prime at 715 Central. Both teams are 2-4 and four heading into the matchup, but are still just one game behind their division leaders. Both teams will also be getting back some ammunition. Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins was activated from his six-game suspension on Monday. He'll make his season debut this week. Hopkins had been suspended by the NFL for violating the league's PED policy. He's been using team facilities since week three ended. His return comes at a good time, as Hollywood Brown was injured on the final offensive play Sunday in the Cards' loss. For the Saints, quarterback Jameis Winston has missed each of the Saints' last three games, but was active week six, although he was the third-string quarterback and didn't see any game time. Winston has been limited, but participating in practice this week. Winston and Andy Dalton have now each started three games for New Orleans in 2022. Back at practice was wide receiver Chris Olave, who's missed time due to a concussion, and defensive back Alante Taylor, who was elevated from IR after a knee injury. All right, let's get into my conversation with Kaylee Hartung, who will be on the call of the game Thursday. Kaylee, thank you so much for joining me on the New Orleans Saints podcast. I appreciate it. It's always good to have somebody who is from Louisiana joining the podcast, also somebody who covers football. How are you doing this week? I am great. I just wish this game was in New Orleans. As soon as I saw the schedule, it was one of the first things I looked for. When am I going to get to do a game in the Superdome? Um, But regardless, glad to see the Saints. Arizona will be a blast, I'm sure. And quite honestly, we have had some cold weather games already this early in the season. So Arizona, I will take it. I know it's going to be warm in Arizona, which is weird because we're kind of going through our first cold front here. It's been a little change from the Louisiana heat. Wait, I need to know this because I'm actually coming home to Baton Rouge, uh, where I was born and raised, um, right after our game in Arizona. So I might have to switch up a couple items in the suitcase. I mean, you you know, it's like it's 60 degrees and people are are freezing here. Of course, I get it. I live in L.A. now, so I'm still spoiled. Uh, maybe that's why I'm such a wimp in these cold weather games, but, um, (laughs) thanks for the heads up. You mentioned being from Baton Rouge growing up in Louisiana. How much did you follow football at that point? And are you, are you not a Saints fan? (laughs) Well, you know, I, I get asked all the time, were you an athlete? Right. I Mm -hmm. think that's an obvious question to ask someone who works in sports now. And the answer is no, I was never an athlete. But what I say is that I think growing up in Baton Rouge and anybody listening to this will get it. You have to try to not be a sports fan. I got (laughs) to be raised, you know, around one of the greatest college athletics programs in the country. and, And my timing was awesome. I mean, Shaq was the first athlete I ever knew existed, right? Like late early, late eighties, early nineties. And then LSU baseball was so dominant. Um, through the early 2000s. And then there was, of course, LSU football all the while. And my mom worked for the Athletic Foundation at LSU. So I was very lucky to Mm -hmm. be very spoiled in my access to all of those great teams. And that pretty much sums it up for me. And And I also think anybody listening will understand that if you grow up in Baton Rouge, 
you know, especially as a kid, you like I had I was so enthralled in LSU sports that the Saints weren't on my radar, maybe as much as they should have been. Sure. Um, but then I was cheering for them, of course, always rooting for them. And then I was actually in Miami for work. I was at CBS News at the time. Uh, but when the Saints won the Super Bowl in Miami uh, after the 2009 season, um, and so the the game was on CBS. Uh, so anyway, I got to be down there. And that was super cool uh, to get to witness that big win. And I've certainly followed the Saints more closely ever since. And, and you know, when it comes to like my rooting interest in the NFL, one of the fun things for me, having covered college sports at such a high level at ESPN for five years, was that I, and, and at CBS College Sports Network for two years before that, was that because of the players I got exposed to there, those are the guys I root for in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of like the ultimate fantasy football watcher when it comes to NFL in terms of the guys I'm cheering for, because I'm cheering for the guys I know, the guys that I want to root for and the guys I want to see succeed because I got to meet them when they were so young. But of course, like I'm always going to be uh, excited for a Saints win because of what that means for, you know, the people I love and care for the most who are so invested. Absolutely. We love to hear that. You mentioned cheering <laughs> for players. Anybody on the Saints that you covered when you were at ESPN or CBS Sports that you follow? Jarvis Landry. Oh my gosh. I mean, one of my uh, first really big days on SportsCenter was ahead of the LSU Alabama game in 2012 and I will I will hold it as a badge of honor that I got to do the first interview for Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham on SportsCenter and they were together right and it was this sort of coming out party for them as this dynamic duo it's crazy now to think about those two guys yeah. being on the same team um but that's such a fun memory of mine as we know every year now leading up to the LSU Alabama game there's so much hype and that was one of those first first uh meetings of those two teams where it was billed as the biggest sort of game of the, the college football season. I don't know if it's really being billed that way this year, but you know, nevertheless, there will be a lot of excitement in Baton Rouge anytime Nick Saban comes back to town. Um, but yeah, so I was so happy to see Jarvis and Tyron Matthew come back home. How cool is that? Right. I think that, that any sports fan can understand what that means to guys like that to, to go home and, and represent their state and their fans so well as those guys are doing. I hate that it looks like Jarvis won't be playing, but, you know, there is, right, like the headline of this entire matchup, injuries. Oh, my goodness. Right. And that was going to be my next question. The storylines that you're following leading up to this Arizona and New Orleans game, it seems like both sides are struggling when it comes to wide receivers. Yeah. I mean, you have these two teams both sitting at two and four, offenses that have so much talent but it hasn't translated into wins in the way that you might expect to if you're just looking at the teams on paper but when you see an injury report come out on a Monday with 27 players on it between the two teams like there's the clear headline for the game how are they going to figure out what the game plan even looks like you know for their own team and what they're going up against mm -hmm. when you're having to fill so many holes right so the Cardinals are in a situation where they get DeAndre Hopkins back. And of course, there's so much excitement among the players for that. He's coming back from suspension. We haven't seen him on the field yet this year. And, and last year, uh, he was sidelined with injuries for several games. And at the same time, they get Hop back. They're losing Hollywood Brown for about six weeks, it looks like, after his injury on Sunday. Um, and, and, you know, Cliff Kingsbury says they're not expecting DeAndre Hopkins to come in and be a savior, but they do need him to be a spark for an offense that, admittedly on on Kingsbury's part and, and Kyler Murray's part is frustrating 
uh, for them at this moment. And then you, then you have the Saints continuing to try to navigate this quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. You know, as you and I both know, Jameis Winston is still not at 100%. And now we see Andy Dalton pop up on the injury report with a back issue. So I think immediately people say, now, what does that mean for Taysom Hill? Your guess is as good as mine. But I mean, we know how much his productivity has been tied to points for the Saints this season. So huh, when they don't have what we're not expecting him to have Michael Thomas or Jarvis Landry for a Thursday, I think there's a lot of optimism uh, that Chris Olave will be back and hopefully be able to to be helpful as, as again, both offenses look to try to find ways to get to the end zone. Like field goals aren't going to cut it. Right. We need to get some touchdowns, especially on Thursday night. Yeah. I, these Thursday night games have been really funky. How have oh, you man. been able to get I through them? I feel like I need to apologize <laughs> to everyone. I mean, when Brian Robinson scored a touchdown uh, last Thursday for the commanders in Chicago, we were, everyone was cheering. Like, it, you know, it was just, they, there's a yeah. touchdown on Thursday night. We haven't seen one of these in a while. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it has, it's just been so bizarre. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you're, it's, it's happening on Thursdays in a way that a microscope is on it because I think people are paying attention to what we're doing on prime video in a way that, that we appreciate, but there's football at sort of a sub par level, I think across the league in ways that are, that are disappointing to everybody. You know, I, I, I don't sure. think the chargers and, and the Broncos really delivered on Monday night football in a way people wanted them to what there was a stat about Justin Herbert, like most passes thrown in a game without a passing touchdown. Right. And it's like, what, how is this, how is this possible? I'm like, let's get some fireworks up in here. Let's get some excitement. Um, So hopefully, hopefully we get some in Arizona. Well, after our game on Sunday, losing to the Bengals, not being able to get into the end zone four different times, having to settle for field goals, I think there will be a point of emphasis on making sure they're converting when they do get into the red zone. So hopefully that will bode uh, in all of our favors on Thursday night and make for an exciting game. You said before we jumped on the podcast that you had just talked to some of the Saints players and some of the coaches. What is kind of the feeling that you're getting out of their camp heading into this, this a short week, this Thursday game? You know, it's, it's interesting now that we are, oh my gosh, heading into week seven of the season. And, and it's, it's my first Thursday night in the NFL, of course, you hear similar refrains from teams every week, especially when they're coming off of a loss. And that's the importance of recovery, of mm-hmm. course, physically. But they all say that so much of that has to do with sleep, right? That that sleep is the most important factor in that as they try to get their bodies ready, of course, in addition to the treatment and all of that that they're doing. Um, but also just the concepts that the recovery and the the, the readiness needs to be more so mentally than physically even, right? And you also hear the concept of needing to rely on the fundamentals, right? L- letting instincts kick in, like be the football player who you know who you are. Don't try to press, don't try to do too much. Uh, we definitely heard some of that from from Saints players today, right? But it's it's rely on your training, rely on your fundamentals and just like get back to basics in a lot of ways. So I think with both of these teams at, at two and four, you're you're hearing a lot of the same mindset sort of issues of like, we need to find that spark. We have some questions we need to find answers to, and Mm -hmm. you have to do it with very little time to correct mistakes. Um, You know, I think missed tackles were a big problem for the Saints defense on Sunday. And it's one of those things where it's like, oh, but we don't really have time 
to work on that, right? Like these guys are not doing full speed practices in the same way that they would be doing on a regular game week. I mean, here we are talking on Tuesday and this is essentially Friday mm-hmm. in, a, in a regular game week for those guys, which is so hard to wrap your mind around in how they're able to cram everything in so quickly. So again, it just goes, goes back to fundamentals, really having to like zero in on the game plan, like forget the last loss. Cause that's the thing you, you hear from these teams coming off a loss, right? Is that it's a good thing that they can get back on the field quickly and hopefully redeem them, redeem themselves in some way um, and, and get that the taste of the loss out of their mouth. Uh, but at the same time, especially when you have these injuries, mm-hmm. right? Everyone wishes they had more time to, to get guys back in position to play. And I think especially for the saints right now, when every day is precious without Jameis Winston on the field, you know, wanting to get him back out there. Um, yeah. The, 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 the short week's hard. So it's like, I feel like I, again, I go into every conversation with these players and coaches yeah. like apologizing, you know, like, oh, but I mean, fault. it's a thing but, though. A lot of the teams, you know, it is tough. You have to turn around in four days for a lot of people and play a game. It's going to be tough on your body. It's going to be tough on your game prep. And, and, and then if you have anything that you have to clean up, it's going to be tough on that overall though. What has been the feeling from coaches about these Thursday night games? Is there, has there been different approaches that people have had coming into them? No, it, that, it really has been similar. In a way, I think that surprised me, right? It's like the, the first week when I was hearing, you know, how important sleep was, like mm-hmm. I mentioned. I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Like, I've got to get that in the game. And now I hear it every <laughs> week and I'm like, oh, shoot, that wasn't that <laughs> like, nuanced, <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> um, no, but it is, it is a similar thing. But one thing I've really appreciated hearing is they recognize the opportunity that a primetime Thursday night game is. And that for me is what's really cool to be a part of. It is awesome to be the only game on television mm-hmm. any given night. And I think we've seen that proven in the ratings, even when, you know, not to call out the, the, the Broncos and the Colts for what a game that was, but I certainly wouldn't be the first one because even though people were so disappointed in what they saw on the field, all I had to do was look on Twitter after it's the game. Still and typically I would be that person saying, Oh, you know, don't, don't look at Twitter after a game, if, you know, whatever. But, Oh my gosh, I was so entertained. Cause I was like, wait, people are watching. Yeah. Just, they might be like hate watching the game, but when you saw the conversation around it, you realize like there are still 10 million people watching this game, which is wild for me to wrap my mind around. Um, but yeah, there has been an appreciation. I do feel like in the opportunity that these guys get to showcase uh, what they can do on Thursday night in these primetime slots. You talk about the primetime slot for players and teams. What about for you? This is your return to sports. <laughs> you know, you've been doing news for a while. How cool of an opportunity was this? The coolest, the <laughs> coolest. You know, when I left ESPN five years ago, I wasn't emotionally ready to leave sports. You know, like I was saying, I, I grew up such a sports fan. I was covering sports for me was such a dream come true. Like to getting to work a football game in Tiger Stadium, to getting to work the Sugar Bowl in the Superdome. I mean, these were things I dreamed of doing as a kid, but I also had the dream of working in news. And so when the opportunity came for me to leave ESPN and first go to CNN and then ABC, it, it just felt like, the right leap to take Mm -hmm. like the door opened uh, my eyes were wide and I had to run right through it and as much as I enjoyed and took a lot of pride in the work I did in news there was no denying anytime someone asked me oh do you miss sports yes emphatically the answer is always yes but it was fun for me for those five years to truly get to get back to being a fan Mm -hmm. I I really did enjoy that and getting to watch the game with a different eye but 
when Amazon called, it was again, something that was unexpected. And you know, when you have those moments in life where you have that gut feeling and you just know it's right. When Amazon actually offered me the job, the first thing I said was, can I, knowing that I wasn't allowed to speak about it publicly quite yet. Um, and I, you know, timing being what it is, mm-hmm. those sorts of things. I just said, can I call my mom? <laughs> <laughs> and I called my mom and I burst into tears. Aww. And as, as happy as I was in my job at ABC News, oh my gosh, I loved my job at ABC News. I appreciated the opportunities they gave me to really cover a broad spectrum of stories um, from the hardest hitting, biggest headlines in the country, you know, from COVID to natural disasters to mass shootings. Those were big, important moments that I I really understood the weight mm-hmm. on my shoulders in those moments and the responsibility I had to be a, a great journalist. But they also let me have fun and get back to having the fun that I learned to have on TV when I was working in sports. So it, it was a great fit for me. But when this opportunity came up with Amazon, it was so clearly the right thing for me at the right time. And how cool is it to get to be a part of building something new in the media landscape. Like sure. We don't get those opportunities very often. And to get to do it at this high of a level, covering the NFL is just something I never could have planned or truly even imagined. But now that I'm back in it, man, it feels good. And it's just nice to get back in the groove. And it's funny how I'm having to sort of relearn or remember how to do certain things in this job. I mean, being a sideline reporter is such a strange experience in that there's so much going on on the field in any given moment and you you have to know where to look you mm-hmm. know you have to know what to pay attention to and how you can best contribute to the broadcast like I've I've had to really take some moments to like take a deep breath and wrap my mind around okay what is Al Michaels job and what is Kirk Herbstreet's job and how do I add to what two of the absolute best in the business are doing? You know, where do I find my lane to make sure that, you know, I always think about covering sports this way. Like I can never know as much about the teams I'm covering, no matter how hard I study as their most fervent fans, Mm -hmm. you know, who have lived and breathed that team uh, their entire lives. But what I can do is give them interesting insight from my you know, from my seat, so to speak, on the field when they're at home on their couch and tell them something they couldn't know because they're not where I am because they don't have the access that I have. So how can I enhance their experience and tell them something maybe they didn't know or something that they would be really interested to learn when I have the vantage point that I do? So that's sort of the challenge that I give myself every week. And um, hopefully I'll be able to tell you something interesting from Arizona. Yeah, we're not going to ask you what that will be right now because, you know, we don't want to ruin it for the Thursday night. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I don't know what it is yet. (laughs) Being a sideline reporter, though, you don't get to tell every story that you plan on telling in a broadcast. What are some of the ones this season that you wish you had an opportunity to tell or some of your favorite ones that didn't make air? Okay, so oh, I got a good one. Um, Going into the Bengals-Dolphins game. Which, you know, of course, that game took a turn with Tua going down that was nothing that you ever want to see. And and that changed the the tone of of everything. I mean, my only goal once that happened was to make sure I was delivering the most Mm up-to-date, up-to-the-minute information on his status. Um, So a lot got left, uh, you know, on the cutting room floor, so to speak, in that game for very good reason. But, man, going into that game – 
all of the talk between Tyree Kill and Eli Apple was like such bulletin board material, right? They had this beef like going back to the end of last season and and there was the, the, the sort of smack talk on Twitter and this, that, and the other. And everybody was like, what is this matchup going to be like, right? So I'm talking to Tyreek Hill leading into uh, the game. And I was like, dude, what's the deal? What <laughs> is the deal here? I need to understand. And he was like, he goes, man, people are going to have to learn that Tyreek Hill is a troll. <laughs> and I was like... Oh my God. I, all I want to do is to be able to quote you in the game on that. And he was like, oh yeah, man. He was like, truly, I've got nothing but respect for Eli's game. Like I'm like, that's the kind of matchup I want, Uh right? Like somebody who is that skilled, um, that sort of thing. He was like, but I'm just a troll. Like this is fun for me. He likes to get in people's heads. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, this is hilarious insight. Like really appreciate that. But then the best part of the story that I wasn't going to tell on the air. So as we're, as we're getting off the phone, he's like, oh, Hey, Hey, I got, I got one more thing to tell you. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, what's that? And he hangs up the phone. I was like, I just got trolled by Tyreek. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) So Uh, yeah, I got a big, I got a big kick out of that one. But then last week on a more like newsworthy basis, not just for my kicks, um, but I, t- I got to talk to Chase Young, you know, who's been out since week 10 of last mm-hmm. season, tearing his ACL. And, you know, gosh, like they just can't wait to get him back on the field. And I, I, I you know, went up to him before the game. He was out there kind of running around a little bit. And I, and I was asking him questions that I didn't really expect to get an answer to. But when I went the route of like, you know, is there a timeline for your return? You know, he's like, I'm, I'm not telling you, but like, sit tight kind of thing. And I was like, okay, tell me this. Can you change direction full speed yet? And he said, yes, I can. And I was like, that is what people want to know, mm-hmm. right? Like former defensive player of the year had an ACL injury that by a lot of accounts, like could be back right now. Right. But clearly there's something that's holding him back. But I think to hear that Chase Young can change direction full speed again, like is, is really encouraging news um and hopefully he's back on the field soon but you know something that just when the moment came where the guys in the booth were talking about chase young a play got made pretty soon thereafter and i lost my window of opportunity and 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 sometimes that's the most frustrating part as a sideline reporter when the you know for by no fault of your own but just at the mercy of the game you just miss the opportunity where it makes sense and then you have to move on yeah Definitely been there. understand that Chase Young was a phenomenal player to watch. Looking forward to him getting back on the field. And I will say Saints fans, they're going to like Tyreek Hill a little bit more because they have this thing with Eli Apple. So yeah, right. Yeah. I think they'll be happy to hear that somebody else was picking on him. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Tyreek's happy to do that. Definitely an ally for the Saints, unless you're playing the Dolphins. In the games that you've had this season, any players talent wise or teams that have really stood out to you or maybe just in your prep to watch another team? Yeah. I mean, I'm super excited to see what Rashid Shahid can do on Thursday. I mean, right. What an exciting burst of energy for Mm -hmm. Saints fans to have. Right. I think that's the question everybody's asking is like, how do we get Shahid more involved in the game? I mean, what are the chances your first NFL touch as a what undrafted rookie, right? Like mm-hmm. translates into a touchdown. How right. cool is that? 
I think we all probably need to have a little bit more patience, you know, for how involved he ends up being in the game plan. But nevertheless, like that's something to be excited about. Um, Brian Robinson's return, man, just, you know, he was back on the field 42 days after being shot in an attempted carjacking mm-hmm. uh, the previous Sunday. Then we got him the following Thursday and he was responsible for the only touchdown that we had in that game in Chicago. Um, you know, but there's a guy who I think showed so much fight and will and determination through his career at Alabama. Um, anybody who's a fan of college football knows that if a guy really has to wait five years to get on the field, to be that feature back, like he's probably going to transfer in the meantime. And Brian Robinson did not do that. He stuck it out. Cause as he told me, he knew his time would come, but he had an insane running backs room um, in front of him that he got to learn from and, and use to his advantage to help him get better. And then when his time came, I mean, he was, fantastic in his fifth year at Alabama so there was so much hype I think leading into what he would look like in the NFL and and now uh, his comeback story is I think going to be one of the greatest in the in this season for Mm -hmm. sure Um, if not in a a very long time but just so excited to see that pop out of him um, after just a horrific situation that's hard to hard to wrap your mind around and then I mean we got so spoiled on Thursday nights even if the football's been rough the past couple weeks when we started off with Chiefs Chargers um I think that Kansas City team this year is really is is special and the that Bills game the other night was awesome Mm -hmm. to watch on TV I think it's a preview of a matchup we'll see later in the season but um it was fun to get to go to Arrowhead and just to see what that Chiefs team is trying to build when they've had success Right. They they know what that feels like. And I think, um, you know, they'll be right back at the top again. Rashid Shahid is somebody who's come back from injury as well. So it's crazy what he did in that Sunday game. I talked to his head coach from college on Monday and the word that he used was he's so wiggly. And I was like, I love that (laughs) word. I love that. He has got such speed, but yes, he is wiggly. He can avert defenders. So we're looking forward to seeing what more he can do and how he's used as he continues to get healthy and comfortable with the system for sure. Anything that you want to say to Louisiana fans, people here in your home state, I know you said you're, you're getting a chance to come back this weekend. Yeah, man, I'm just, I'm so excited to come home every trip that that I go back I just I'm just super grateful for the place I grew up and the people I got to grow up around and the way I got to grow up and all of those things and you know I got really spoiled when I was at ESPN I got to cover a lot of LSU games and so it meant a lot of time back in Baton Rouge and when I left ESPN my grandmother said to me well I just hope CNN sends you back to Baton Rouge as much as ESPN did and I was like no Grant, you don't want you don't, that no. because that means something <laughs> horrible has happened we don't we don't want that um, so given that I don't have uh, a Saints home game on my Thursday night schedule this year, this was the game that, uh, just made the most sense for me to get back to Baton Rouge for to see LSU play, right? Yeah. Like I said, fun to be a fan again. So I'll get to go to the LSU Ole Miss game and, you know, there's nothing like a, a day with my friends and, you know, everybody who I grew up with out at Tiger Stadium. And, and I missed out on that, you know, for the, the five years that I was covering games, they're as cool as that was, mm-hmm. you know, a lot. I've tried to get back for a game. I think I've gotten back just about every season uh, since I've been out of covering college football. Um, so yeah, it works because we've got Arizona this Thursday and then I'll go home to Louisiana and then we're in Tampa Bay the following Thursday. So I'll just keep keep moving progressing across, east. Yeah, yeah as, opposed to doubling, as opposed to doubling back to LA. But no, I mean, there's... Louisiana, Baton Rouge, it's such a special place to grow up. It 
is such a huge part of who I am. And growing up there is the reason why I love sports as much as I do. So um, I'm just, I'm, I'm grateful, grateful for it. And can't wait to, can't wait to see all my favorite people. Well, we can't wait to watch you on the Saints broadcast on Thursday. It'll be fun to see what stories you come with and and how you approach the coverage, what kind of angle you're going to have with maybe uh, something we didn't know or didn't expect. Let's hope. Let's hope <laughs> I can surprise you with something good. And honestly, I hope this is a game where we get surprised by how it's won. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there's nothing I love more than that post-game interview with somebody that no one expected to be in that situation. And I think given the situations for both of these teams and like we were talking about the injuries and all of that, it's like, I think it's like ripe for some of that surprise and excitement. Um, And like we said, hopefully some, some fireworks and some touchdowns. Yes, definitely. I appreciate the time so much. It's been great talking to you. Thank you, Erin. I appreciate you a ton. Appreciate Kaylee taking the time to join me for the podcast. We'll have one more episode tomorrow to preview the cards game before our game coverage starts with our pregame show an hour before kick, 615 on com and across our social media platforms. Thanks for joining me today. Have a good rest of the day. Thanks for listening to the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Join us three times per week on NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints mobile app, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you next time right here on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek.